Hello, Jeremy. Hi, Raphael. Hey. How are you? What's going on? Oh, I'm vaccinated, which is great. In two, I'm yeah. vaccinated. Yeah, totally. Uh, only one, though. I have to do a second one. Which, had which one? one? I had um, AstraZeneca, the one that they banned. Or it's not banned, but you can't get it in the United States. Yeah. Deadly yeah. blood clots. Is this a scary one? <laughs> yeah, whatever. Yeah. Which affect... Like, Gotta die of something, right? Yeah, exactly. I think you, one in 50,000 or 60,000 people might get blood clots. So I'm alive, um, and I'm, I'm hoping to stay that way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we need a few more episodes. Yeah. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I went to Walmart. Yeah. It was a really unglamorous experience. But, yeah, uh, I went to Rite Aid. Yeah, I had Moderna, <laughs> so I guess less problems, but I'm mm, not sure. Fancy. I didn't have a choice. I just uh, book it, and then they, they say, this is it. It's super problematic, though, that we're distinguishing between like high-class vaccines and low-class. It's such a like symptom of our time. also reminds me of NFTs. <laughs> it's like the high-class marketplace. Is there... Um, I, I don't really keep up with the research. I feel like yeah. the risk is exaggerated. It's not that bad. And yeah. I, I just, no, and there's yeah. no, so many people who go out and just take all kinds of illegal drugs that are not vetted for quality or any kind of <laughs> tests. And they're like, sure, I'll take that and that, and I'll take this on top. And then yeah. they're like, oh, I can't get this vaccine. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but I think like the one I took is similar to the Johnson & Johnson, which is... So the Johnson Johnson one's even better. You just need one shot, right? Um, yeah, yeah. But I'm the just. Symptoms, a, I, I hope it's not going to be a thing where they need you to take a shot every two months for every variant. And yeah. Well, I yeah. I mean, I don't know. Did you have any after effects the day after? I was like yesterday. I was like, I don't know if I can do the podcast today because I was like, oh, honestly, I just my arm was, was sore. Terrible. That was all. Apparently, the second dose of Moderna is harder. But if it's anything yeah. like it was like getting. Um, but uh, there's a secret. There's a secret to What's life. The secret? It's What's green that? tea, and it prepares you for everything. <laughs> Even vaccine. Well, I will say, I I had a celebratory like beer like the night before, um, like the day I got my vaccine, and that, maybe I had a hangover plus the vaccine hangover. Um, yeah, anyway. I, I I I drink so rarely that if I have one beer, I'm definitely tired and grumpy the next day. But I, this was pretty bad. I was like on on the couch, like out cold. I slept most of the day, and yeah, I talked yeah. to other people who felt the same way, like muscle cramps, headache. And Kristen, she had the Pfizer vaccine a, a, a few weeks ago, and she had a little yeah. bit of fatigue the next day. But apparently, again with the Pfizer and Moderna, it's the second dose where you get more symptoms. Okay, well, um, in two weeks, so May seven, I get the, the other shot, so I'll update you and see. Yeah, but it's good news what the symptoms that. Are. We're getting vaccinated, and the more and more yeah, yeah, are yeah. getting vaccinated. Yeah, um, and now we're going to get a whole media cycle of all the people who don't want to take a vaccine and all the drama, and the, 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 that will be the next crisis. The, the news needs a crisis all the anti-vaxxers, time. So. Anti-maskers replaced yeah. by anti-vaxxers, yeah. Exactly, yeah. So, mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, I saw yesterday we walked around Soho, and it was so crowded and busy, and Every, really? There was a bottomless brunch everywhere, like for oh twelve dollars, fourteen dollars, and they they had these huge, like a cocktail glass the size of a pizza with four straws in it. That didn't seem the most sanitary idea. With like a slushy <laughs> with vodka, everybody was just like, "Fuck it, this shit is over. Let's just party." So I, I think okay, you're ahead all of the, us. Well, yeah. all the all the 
all the speculation and future gazing about, oh, this is the end of the city, cities are dead, blah, 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 we're all moving oh, yeah. to the suburbs. It was a total festival. It was super yeah. crowded, even though the, the, the borders haven't even opened up yet. So New York did not look dead at all. Uh, I think cities are going to become more hedonistic. So it's going to be more, it's less about work. It's going to be more about pleasure. And so yeah, uh, what you saw is probably... It's all about like the influencers. <laughs> yeah. 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 But, but then uh, I also saw a video yesterday. I missed this concert in Tompkins Square. It was a couple of bands I like. And it was full on, just completely the whole park full and people jumping on each other and no masks. And uh, it's just, wow. it, it's over. That's it. Well, we haven't had that kind no. of euphoria here yet, but I'm greatly looking forward to I it. I feel like Canadians can't really do euphoria. They would just be like, hey, good, the lockdown is over. Okay. And then that's it. <laughs> I don't know. That's a bit racist towards Canadians. But um, <laughs> but we are a little yeah. bit more conservative. Do you, f- do you feel deeply offended by me saying Canadians can't party? Well, Americans just have this impression of Canadians that it works for us sometimes, which is like we're this. But like but you are you are proof. Like you you would never go for bottomless brunch, nor would I. Uh, like we're the reserved yeah. Northerners or something. I guess we fit the stereotype. Yeah, but maybe under the right circumstances. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, it, when when was the last time in the last ten years that you got shit faced and? Uh, Really let go. Well, the the problem of that, I was thinking about that actually. I was like, why can't I do that? What what's holding me back? And I was thinking about post pandemic, like why? And you're the one that's usually encouraging me to to enjoy life more. But um, yeah, but when I say enjoy, it means like get a nice desk and a big computer and uh, <laughs> not yeah, like enjoy work more. Not like go to a a, a dark basement and uh, do meth. That that's not what I'm recommending. Well, it's funny because like I was on YouTube, you know, like all this. No, because you told me you told me the render time for your NFT, and I was like, "Dude, just get yourself a new computer. You can afford it." Well, now I can because I sold it. <laughs> it's like <laughs> I used to always have this policy, like always, inv- you know, like invest your earnings back into your 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 product. So I, I probably. But do you know how it. crazy you are? How crazy you sound to me? <laughs> like invest your earnings. It it doesn't make any sense. You're no, on the no, computer back into all your practice. day. So no, I'll, I know, I'll but buy. you don't. You don't have a desk or a desktop computer, and you're like a, a more than full time digital artist and digital professional designer. <laughs> yeah, and <laughs> you're like, true. oh no, I, I, I was saying, yeah, you're like the person who'd be like, no, yeah, you guys take the chairs, I'll sit on the floor. Yeah, yeah, but I'm still. I, hey, like, but I, even if there's enough chairs, you're still like, no, I, I'll just sit on the floor and <laughs> I, I'll sit outside in the rain. It's okay. <laughs> I can just use my phone to produce this NFT. It's all right. <laughs> just, <laughs> I'm not talking about hedonism, but I'm talking about a professional work setup that makes yeah. you work better. Yeah, I mean that's your policy, your your feeling about work. But I've actually, I always embrace the digital nomad aspect of work. Um, in the, even then, you ha- how old is your laptop? My my current laptop, I only yeah. do gen- cycle generations. So I'm gonna get the next. What are what are these rules? What what is? I only do this. <laughs> I only do that. What are they based on? This laptop is a 2016. It's a MacBook Pro, 15 inch, 2.6 gigahertz, <laughs> quad core. But you Intel. told me you told me it took five weeks to render that NFT. Yeah, yeah, it took too long. It was actually a shock yeah. to my system where I was just like. Okay, this is this is not a profitable enterprise because actually, no, but, when I was but, listing it, I was like, "Wait a second. Like the amount of energy and and like work that went into producing this thing, and, and I sold it for like one ether, 
but that's only um what like two grand um and i probably spent like i don't know no but the the here's the thing jeremy here's the thing that that <laughs> me the bothers lesson. me yeah you have enough money to buy a decent computer. It doesn't have anything to do whether you sold that NFT or not. It's mm. uh, you can deduct it from your expenses. It's fine. You can afford it. Yeah. Um, and and it, I'm frugal too. Like I don't want to waste money. But I did notice when I, every time you get a new computer, you're less scared to like, oh, let's try this, let's try that. So y- y- my point is, if you had a company, you would want all your employees to have a good computer so they're not frustrated oh and they're God. not wasting time. You've never worked in a company. They never update computers in companies. Yeah, but, I um, guess. It's weird. <laughs> the long story short is I do have a high-end tower PC, but I just don't like working on it as much as I like working on my laptop. Like, I have a high-end you don't have graphics a desk, card. But you don't have a desk. Yeah, it's what I use as my media. But this is that self-deprecating thing that bothers me about you. It's like, I'll just sit on the floor and then you end up not doing it because it's uncomfortable. Well, I think what I might do is I might turn my whole like TV area into a really high end uh, setup, like a desk, like make my desk also my entertainment center. But um, regardless, it was a fun week in that I got the vaccine and I did try NFTs. I, I took your advice for our listeners Unlike Raphael, I have not. I am not going to be able to quit my job because I'm probably more like the average artist that posted an NFT. And the good news is, it actually worked, and it was, and it wasn't that hard. It took a little bit of time to figure out. I posted on two marketplaces. My first experience was posting on Hen, and the and the and the thing sold. Like it was so weird, the interface and a, a bit clumsy. Like. I thought I listed it, then it didn't work. So then I changed the price and I tried again. And I thought it was because of like, anyway, regardless, I, I listed it and it sold in a microsecond, like faster than the site updated. And I listed it. So that's where your fan base is. Yeah, yeah, actually. And there was like a ton of like, yeah, fan excitement, which was interesting because I posted to Foundation. And it was like, mm, not very much like excitement. And then. You know, one guy not as fast, uh, but the price was ten times higher, so that that's uh, hard to compare. Yeah, but I looked at like artists at a comparable career stage to me, and I set the price in a comparable place, like one ether. Um, I I guess what you're saying is, if I had done zero point one ether on that, there would have been like yeah, a it would have gone in ten seconds. Yeah, maybe I, it's hard to say, but you know, from software design, like you you do A B testing, so that's what you did. Well, that's what I was doing, and I'm going to do another A B test. The, the, I'm yeah, so more. you should do the reverse where on hen you do one for 10 times the price and then on foundation yeah. you do one for one-tenth of the price. That's a good idea. That would um, that would be, just mathematically, that would be the most fair A-B test. And the other thing I didn't expect is people are asking me to post my old like YouTube videos on both platforms. So mm. maybe I, I might try that, even though it's like, and, it, f- and, it feels um, wrong. How do you feel about the idea like foundation is more limited so there's like you you only have two options stills or videos and hen is more techie and do you see do you see a future for ar real ar and and like dynamic tokens and code-based tokens or is that all going to be a mess and then in two years they don't work anymore oh well that yeah yes and yes (laughs) answer all those things is yes i don't know what's your position my my position would be like the internet inter, for internet art to limit it to video and image is like excluding ninety percent of the activity in yeah. internet art. Um, so, but I for me for my work, I've really been enjoying 
condensing it to video and um, because my works have a random element but then when I make the video I'm like no this is the version the final final version this is the one where I'm most pleased with the combination of colors and etc yeah um, but maybe the difference between you and I is like I started there that's where my career started and with so video. having to yeah yeah like I started in yeah. that, and I had this idea like it's all in one frame um, and then over time I expanded my 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 view that Per, like the video actually was the internet was the camera and that a performance should be interactive and span, you know, like personal experience. Like everyone should have a different experience and all like all yeah, where yeah. you, where you started, I ended up, we kind of meet in the middle, I guess. Um, so it's interesting to see you like recategorize yeah. video in that way. But I, it, I saw, um, is it, what's the Casey Reese has a NFT yeah. platform or file. Yeah. What's the name? Feral file. Yeah, Feral File. And I saw it and there was a lot of code-based works and it did feel kind of old that you'd browse through code-based works and some of them crash or you resize the window and it doesn't work as well. So I understand from the maker point of view, you're like, I want to create a living thing that can do lots of things and is unpredictable. Yeah. But then from a viewer point of view, you're like, oh, I want to scroll this. I want to save it to my library as a little file that I can keep and hold on to and et cetera. And so... I'm I'm into the the foundation approach, the film at home there. That's interesting. Yeah, I mean, and it's it's not it's not uh, like a commercial choice, also. But it's I I got kind of tired of like all these fragile. They've been fine. They just need a little update every now and then. But I know that if you if you bake the code into the token, mm-hmm. and you can't change it afterwards in in two years or five years or whatever, that you need an update and you can't update it. So. I guess there are solutions yeah. for that, but th- th- this idea of like baking the final version is interesting to me. Well, the one thing, uh, just to give our uh, our listeners, we shouldn't talk about NFTs too long because this no. isn't the NFT only podcast. Though I feel like we'd be much popular, more popular if we were. But the <laughs> on hen the way so twelve I, uh, tricks to make a million I'm, dollars. I'm one of only a few people that have inclu- had augmented reality works on hen. I was told that that's like unique. It's a reason to collect uh, my work, but it's super easy. And I will say it's like the way I uploaded it is you upload a zip file that has like a, it's not an like, so the, the code itself is all within the zip file and it's just an archive, like an internet archive. Like well, a it's folder. a file. It's not a program in that sense. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's like you're uploading a PDF or a movie. Yeah. yeah. Like, but I had like CSS what I mean is if, if you made a, there. yeah, but if you uploaded a, a zip file with a JavaScript web page that's interactive. That, that's what I did. You know, the, the browser changes later and uh, no, I don't know. Yeah. So, but I'll just say that, yeah. So it's JavaScript based and the JavaScript is Google's model viewer, um, which I think will be supported for a long time. Yeah. That should be fine. Yeah. That's, yeah but you can change the viewer later. Yeah. Yeah. But also regardless, the purchaser has access to actually anyone does because all of this stuff is like out there. So you want to like get the file, just look at the source code. But the purchaser still gets the GLB and the USDZ, like the two, the two. Yeah, yeah, but files. those are still documents. So what I mean with dynamic web pages, then you're kind of building software, not a document. It, it, it it's not exactly yeah, right. true, but yeah. you get my point. And it, um, yeah, I made my point. I guess no, no. My my, my, my final point though is just that those two file formats, like GLB, which is based yeah. is GLTF, that's like J- JPEG for three D. Yeah, that exactly. Will live yeah. far beyond like whatever. no, no. But one thing I wanted to say, maybe if you are making AR sculptures 
versus making a 360 movie, which you did on Foundation. Yeah. Um, there's something about a frame rate of a video that's more stable that gives a more restful feeling. So mm. I, I was always very strict, like I make software, it shouldn't be video. And now that I've gotten more into perfecting the video version, I'm like, oh, the 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 dependability of the frame rate is it, it gives it a calmer feeling. Yeah, but I think there's a more tactile feeling with an interactive object. Like you can touch it and it's yeah, you're yeah, in control. Yeah. And I think, I, I, I don't know, if you look at some really high end, because there's some beautiful GLTF exhibitions, like uh, in browser 3D exhibitions out there these days. And sometimes when you look at like some of these works, and I put a lot of care into the work I listed, like into the textures, like there's little, you know, Easter eggs and things like my denim shorts show through the bottom of the sculpture, like as if I was sitting. Anyway, there's like little things that I did that I like. And I think that those little Easter eggs, that's something you can't have in video, right? Because you can't explore the object. You can just yeah. look at it. Um, so I don't know. I think that there's a future in it. I think that's why Foundation has on their roadmap USDZ. I don't know about yeah. Super Rare or Nifty Gateway if they're going to do it, but I assume they will. Um, yeah, it, 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 we'll see how it all... Uh, it, it was clear that social media likes fixed file formats and not too complicated. So if yeah. you think of Tumblr and Instagram and Facebook and Twitter, they don't really allow little code experiments in a post. There's just too many security issues. Yeah. So even when you're talking about an AR object, that's not really... It's interactive because the, the there's a standardized viewer, but it's not really interactive that you could customize the behavior of the models yeah you you couldn't make an ar thing where there's a dog and a cat and one time the dog jumps the cat and the other time the cat jumps the dog or they get in a fight and there's a random outcome you know no, what i mean you, you can yeah. only bake an animation and you can't like yeah so in that sense it's it's just a movie as well it's it's not software in that sense Hmm. Yeah, interesting. I mean, the same way. There's a sofa. standardized interaction. Yeah. That's like thinking of my sofa as a movie, though. Yeah, like. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like. A, yeah, yeah, but 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 I'm saying you can't make a game in in an AR file. No, but here's what I think you're getting to something, which is a good point for like <laughs> not the point of this episode, but like um, that you know whether there is um, a desire for that level of interactivity. I think a lot of times actually. Inter, you know, when there's too many options, people tend yeah, to make yeah. bad decisions. And so like constraints actually help us uh, focus an artwork. And some of my favorite artworks historically have been ones that explored constraints to the fullest extent, right? Even if you think of like a James Terrell, who just works with light, you know, he'll be like, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna narrow my practice to just talking about light, <laughs> to the point yeah. where he like, he's perfected light. Um, there's something, <laughs> and I'm gonna, and I'm gonna do my best to look like Santa Claus. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Is it? I'm gonna dom. Yeah, I'm, he has done some crazy things anyway. But um, there's something yeah. to that. So let's get to. Do you want to get to the, this week's? Uh, yeah, question? there's a question from Mitchell from the Netherlands, a photographer who lives in Portugal, and uh, let's have a listen. Hi, Raph and Jeremy. I am Mitchell from the Netherlands. I am 28 years old, and I'm a photographer, and I moved to Portugal, Lisbon, like three years ago. And I have a question, it is about friendships. Um, like, I wonder how you view friendships, how do you make friendships, and are friendships important? And what are friendships? Just the general topic, friendships, I guess. I had this question because I noticed 
that it's hard to make actual new friends, especially when you're in a new city. And I think both of you have been in similar experiences. So I'm curious to hear your answers. Thank you, Mitchell, for the question. Mm-hmm, um, yeah, I, I, I know that feeling very much. Of You live in the Netherlands and you're like, mm, it's fine here, but something's missing. And then you go to other places, but you miss your... I don't know if it's the same in Canada, but in the Netherlands, it's very easy to see your friends because everybody lives nearby. And I found most other places, people tend to be busier than they are in the Netherlands, and people tend to live further, and there's not the bicycle culture. So it, it takes some getting used to with socializing. Hmm. You think it's easier to make friends in the Netherlands? Is that what you're saying? No, no, I, I'm saying it, you're, you're used to, if you're from a small country, Mm-hmm. All your family lives nearby. Your friends live nearby. Like yeah. f- far away in the Netherlands is two hours away. Far away yeah. in the U.S. is like uh, twelve days away. Oh, I see what you're saying. Like you move yeah. to the U.S., it's not like you're moving to a village where all of the everyone's nearby. No, but it, it, that that's one side of it. And then mm-hmm. the, the other side of it is that when you're older, people are busier. So when you're three years old, you put two kids together, and they're best friends in five minutes. And well, that's what As I was thinking. As time goes when, by, uh, yeah, yeah. I was thinking when Mitchell mentioned his age twenty eight. Like at that age, it was like the friends were just the people around me, right? It was like default. Or I, I was out of school by then, but a lot of the, I still had a lot of friends just like by default because they were forced to hang out with me in school. Well, school is a great place because you just you don't have a choice. You have to spend so much time together. Yeah, but throughout my thirties, I think it was a process of like shedding <laughs> a lot of friends and. And then you're right, like, it's hard to make new friends. I would just say, like, you also start to curate or, you know, like, you have more. I remember saying, like, "Mm, I can't be friends with this type of person anymore, right? Like, you start to get a little bit picky. Can you give an example? Yeah, I mean, so I had friends in high school. I have almost none of my friends from high school anymore. No shade on my friends from high school. But a lot of times they, like, put me at the bottom of the pecking order, like, growing up, you know, throughout high school. And then even as I got into college, they'd be like, what do you oh, mean by Jeremy. bottom like, of the pecking order? Like in the group of friends, they'd be like, you know, there's the king of the friend circle, <laughs> king or queen. But it, it, please then, explain, because I, I never felt this hierarchy of like, oh, we're going to anoint the king of the group or something. Yeah, like there's, I think within a group of friends, there's this concept of like people thinking they know who you are and what you're all about and where you stand in the hierarchy of that friendship. At least I've experienced it. Like in in, and in high school, it takes the form of like, you're part of a clique, but there's like the leader of the clique. And then there's like, you know, the, you know, the people that are trying to get in, there's the people in the middle, there are these little tiny like sociologies. Um, and then sometimes there are people that don't give a it's shit. It's funny. Like I didn't span. experience that at all, but I do feel that in the art world, but I didn't experience that at all before art world stuff. Yeah. I mean, a hundred percent exists in the art world. Like they're even actually my yeah. experience on, on foundation, I feel like I feel like I'm an outsider, even though I'm like a well-established artist. Um, but regardless, like um, it, it, that that feeling, I can remember being like, mm, I got to reinvent myself. And I think university was the first chance to do that. So I like I was like, see you later, high school friends who have been a little bit derogatory to me towards me. I'm going to like I'm going to build a new friend pool. And then mm. in college. I had a hard time making new friends, I think, um, but I did make some. And then in my MFA, I made some 
new friends again. So I've always like just kind of gone reinvented myself with every opportunity. So and every time I've moved cities, I've had to do the same thing. Um, like when I moved to Syracuse and even moving back to Toronto from Syracuse, I restarted again. And then I think, I don't know if we got into the, I, when I, I moved to Berlin briefly by then though, I had a different strategy and I don't know if it's the same. I think it might be similar to yours, which is like, I was meeting friends on the internet and then I was meeting them in real life. And that was different. Um, and that strategy is probably closest to what I still do. Like my friends are internet based. So for me, it's a little different that in high school, it all felt organic. Uh, I didn't feel any hierarchy or uh, none of that American high school stuff. There's different cliques. It was just not that big of a high school and everybody knows each other. And you just hang out with who you feel with and, oh, let's go do something. And then a lot of friends through music and uh, making photos together and a lot of good friends. And then when it was time to go to college, I really didn't want to go. I was like, I'm having fun here. I don't really, but I wanted to go to this other city. The school was better. Uh, But then going to The Hague and uh, being there and most of the people in that school didn't live in The Hague. So when it was three o'clock, the school closes, everybody went home and I was still in The Hague with no friends. It's like, oh, well, this sucks. Mm. So after a year, I moved back to my hometown because it was just boring and then after, uh, I f- after I graduated, so after four years of art school, then I started to explore the world and feel restless and feel like, oh, I got to go to other places. And that's when, you, after art school, that's when you f- first start experiencing the mix of, of work and friendships, which is yeah. very confusing. And yeah. I think that's why we can talk about friendships as a child and all that stuff, but I think... For the sake of our audience, I think we should talk a little bit about the the mix of art and friendships. Because I agree. I, yeah, yeah. No, and, I and, the, and I so thought, what? I I, yeah. But what what's really confusing with art and friendships is uh, so all my high school friends I'm still really good friends with, and when I see them, we don't talk about work and we just have stupid jokes and we laugh a lot, like sort of laughing that's involuntary and tears and that kind of laughter. Um, and I, I, I love my friends, but at some point you're also ambitious. So you're hanging out with your friends until you're 22, 23. And then you're like, well, I want to make a living doing my art. And if I just hang out with my friends who are doing different jobs. Uh, we talked about it often, this idea of an art group and creating momentum. So you need some kind of communal energy of other artists. And then you can become friends with artists. But I've found it's never that sort of really silly Mm. laugh out loud kind of laughter it's more like what do you think of this what do you think of that and you make a little bit of fun but overall you talk about work and it's quite professional and and i don't know if you it sounds very different for you that you didn't have those friends in high school that was just endless laughter but well i guess see what's interesting about what you're saying is i have the opposite orientation because i grew up in a small business family like the way my parents' friends were introduced to me. It was always as clients. Um, so, like, the clients are coming over for dinner, but they're also our friends. <laughs> and, yeah, that's um, the confusing part. Exactly. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And those friendships, in some cases, you know, even my dad's best friend, I think, when I was growing up, he was was also his, like, business mentor, like, an advisor. 
And there was sort of like care and love mixed in with business. Like I lived in my parents' office for several years. And then when I when I was even a teenager, my some of my first internet friendships, you know, I mentioned the internet friendship thing. They were all based around like my community of skin designers because I was like an MP3 skin artist. And so I started connecting with people internationally. <laughs> it's true. Like, look it up. But uh, uh, yeah, and so that became like my social network being a part of a scene. And then yeah. as I got into art, I was like, oh, this this is familiar. It's like a scene. And being a part of the scene feels great. And so I just, I kind of rolled with that whole idea that it was like scene yeah, and friendship yeah. were connected. And it's funny because we were talking about that in terms of the NFT thing feeling good just because, and I was skeptical at first, but like there does feel like a scene thing. And I was like, and it's real actually. How like did you the, feel a scene thing? Like on Hen, when I started just talking to people and posting, people were like, oh, we could do this or you could do that or what about this? or And, and that is not work for me so much as like creative energy. And um, mm. I th- I've always really, uh, you know, kind of, I think those two things have always been locked together for me. Like other people who are creatively excited and friendship. And, the, and those are the people I spend more time with. Like I spend more time with you because you get me creatively excited. And so much of my like well-being personally is tied to that that's I think it's a gift that you give like it's very generous to give to another person the, like the gift of inspiration and creative excitement and um I if I don't find that like you know when you hang out with a bunch of people who are like pessimists or like hipsters who are just like that sucks this sucks like if I'm in that group of people I'm like what are you talking about like it's <laughs> like this mm. is amazing that's great let's try this let's do that you know and so yeah 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 I don't know but there's also something about it's sometimes it's just really fun to talk shit and not always when when especially the last few years if you hang out with other artists there's all these uh minefields of terms that you can't say and things that you can't say and it's dangerous and then it's nice to see your old friends and just say stupid stuff and laugh and not worry about being misquoted and all that stuff so i've found more and more that if I'm hanging out with Art World, it, it has become more of a professional thing, and the friends is more of a friend. That 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 seems yeah. to have drifted even further apart. Interesting. Um, so, yeah, it, it's just when you have a sense of humor, I think in humor there's an innate aspect of disrespect. I think, uh, like I said, oh Canadians can't party, and it's like oh, yeah, you're gonna sue all. me? Are you gonna cancel <laughs> me for saying Canadians can't party? Whatever. And so it's really relaxing when you're with a bunch of people where they're like, it's okay, we can just have a, a sense of humor and we can disrespect things because that is the essence of humor. Like that you don't take something too seriously. That not every second of the day you're like, we must cherish every molecule in the universe and everyone's kind and loving and it's just fuck off sometimes, you know? Like, Well, yeah, not everything. Want, you don't want everything to be a status race or like a, you know, like everyone yeah. is... Trying to get higher ground. Yeah, but it's it, it's not even about the the misquoting. It's more uh, it, there's a transaction of power when you're uh, when when work is involved, much more than mm-hmm. with non-work friends. And so I think that's the confusing thing of art. Is like here's an example: if you live in Canada or you live in New York, and a friend visits or another friend is doing a show. And then you reach out to them. It's like, hey, let's have a coffee. And then there's a question whether they're busy or not, which Mm -hmm. is a way of saying, oh, 
I only have five days, so I can only see five friends, and you're not in the top five, which mm-hmm. is fine. Mm-hmm. I understand it, but the, that's very different from an old friend who's not from a similar work uh, uh, field, and 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 you're just like, yeah, right. let's hang out and, and talk. That's shit like um, friendships as like an appointment with your hairdresser or dentist. Basically, it's like, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. we've got we've got five appointments available. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we maybe slot. Yeah, you here, in at check the my calendar, and then yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, there's a factor yeah. of time and friendship where, yeah, there are friends that you kind of are willing to spend um, vast amounts of times time with. I, maybe that's why over time you have fewer and fewer friends, though. Like. I would say I could count my best yeah, friends on, yeah, for sure. on one hand. For sure. And especially yeah. if, you know, if you maybe buy a house and you have to construct it or you start a family or you start a business of your own and that just takes up most of your time. And but one of the funny thoughts that occurs to yeah. me is like, how many, how often do you refer to people that you've maybe seen like once every five years as friends? I think I do it a lot where I'll be like, yeah. oh yeah, my friend Nicholas yeah. Sassoon. And I'll be like, well, last time I saw you, Nicholas, was like three years ago. I still consider you a friend. And actually, and because, but I'm probably, it's more of like admiration. Like I actually, you know, I admire this person and I love that I could call them up and they'll answer the phone. Yeah. The um, one thing I, I've really been liking about the lockdown is that it became more normal to talk on the phone with other. So it, it, for me, I lived in many different cities and you make friends in different cities and then you leave and it's kind of hard to keep stay in touch mm-hmm. where it, we were both in Berlin and it's totally normal to say, let's have a coffee, but it's yeah. kind of awkward to say, let's talk on the phone for 15 minutes. And it's like, what are we going to talk about? What's the topic? <laughs> yeah. And I, th- I think this whole thing has made it more normal to be like, Hey, let's catch up on the phone. Cause we can't meet in person. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I am, you know, the thing getting back to the city's question that comes to mind, though, is that if, you know, no matter what, if you go to a new city as an artist, the chances that you find, an, you know, like a, a group of people who have share similar points of view to you and who are creatively or even professionally interested, like, but if we exclude profession, just like, like minded is pretty rare. And one of the reasons why at least in my lifetime, I've had to do what you're talking about, which is like, and you're way better at me, but like reach out to people to make sure that I I have time for a conversation with them. Um, And the way I was doing it before the lockdown, to your point was like, I would only, I'd hang out with my friends when I had an exhibition or an opportunity where I was in their physical city. And that's how I maintained my friendships. But um, uh, I bring this up just because like, a friend of mine was saying like, your emails are so rude and curt. And I was like, well, like emailing you feels like a friendship inside of a shopping bag. It's like, <laughs> it's so, it's so but, like. But does the other person spend a lot more time on the email and write more elaborately? Well, yeah, exactly. They they write these like prose-like long emails. And then I would respond like, sounds good. <laughs> it was a warm night, it was. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So then I was like, well, let, so then they were like, well, I'm going to start sending you letters. And I actually got my first uh, handwritten letters from them. And it felt very, very like intimate and special. But then I realized, obviously, I have to write them back, which I haven't had time to do. I'm going to try and do today. But like, I think a lot of the internet communication that we have, including your your point about phone call, is so transactional that it doesn't really, it doesn't feel like you're building a friendship. So, friendship is also like about a certain investment or sacrifice, or like I'd say yeah. more investment in your of time and effort toward and, another and then person. One thing that's interesting is. Um, 
you grow up in your hometown, you have your friends, then you go on an adventure, you go to another city. And I know that feeling very well where for half a year you're working on moving there and then you get there and you unpack your stuff and you're like, mm. oh, it's just me. Mm -hmm. Oh, well, this is intense. And it, I, I lived in LA for almost a year and I lived in Paris for almost a year and I just left at some point because I just didn't have enough friends. That was, I liked it as a city, but I just didn't have enough friends. And I, I had a few friends, but there's a certain amount that I need. Um, and then moving to New York was also, I had quite a few friends here already, so it was a good way to move. But then what happens in New York is people leave. Like There's a certain age, maybe what you talked about, people get busy. But in New York, when you're 35, you're like, Mm, I think I want to live with some space. Maybe we move to LA, maybe we move to Georgia, whatever. So people leave and, and it's kind of a a nomadic city that people stay for five years and come and mm -hmm. go. So there's there's something in New York that people tend to want to make new friends because their friends have left. And so there is something about the 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 nomadic nature of the city that also creates energy that people have to make new friends. And there's like a certain camaraderie, I guess, in those that survive yeah, the, yeah, the meat yeah, grinder yeah. of New York. Yeah, yeah. but definitely the, the beginning of the lockdown, I saw a number of people who were thinking about leaving New York, but they were postponing it. And, and then when the lockdown happened, they're like, that's it. Mm -hmm. they're, they're all left. I think that everyone, there are people are going to come back or there'll be new cities that form, like you've talked about Miami a bunch of times, but or yeah. Austin or whatever. Um, I, I just think that there's a natural urge for people to be together. And, you know, like on Friday, actually, just after I got vaccinated, I did go over to someone's backyard just for like to hang out. And the feeling of being with another couple, like a couple's date, which is like I take for granted, like as a form of friendship, was it's, it's just like so pleasurable. Like there's so much endorphin release. <laughs> You're honestly. like, oh, this your voice sounds so high res. Exactly. And there's like no issue with interruption or codec quality or what's my internet connection. It's just like, it's a great yeah. interface, you know? Yeah. And you're like, this I, especially is a really good on experience. video calls, group video calls, it's this, there's a pause that's so unnatural oh between God. every, every uh, back and forth. Well, of course, you're famous for interrupting me on this podcast, but like in person, which are, it's funny because our conversations in person. I, I'm, I'm going to print a t-shirt says I'm famous for interrupting <laughs> Jeremy. But like, I, obviously I've gotten good at interrupting you as well, but in person, which we've only had like probably like 10 encounters in our lifetime, maybe only five in person. We are, I don't know. Are we, be, do we have better conversations? I don't know. It, it's funny. I, I had a meeting with a bunch of friends that I knew mostly from online and we sat outside and had drinks for the evening and it was cool to see each other, but it also took some getting used to because it's <laughs> like a whole year of, of just on the phone and, and uh, zoom and whatever. And then mm -hmm. it's like, Oh, this is intense. We can see each other. But is that a new concept? Like, or did that exist by like pen pals in the 1960s or something? A like little that? bit. No. Yeah. It's definitely true for me with BYOB that there was the aspect of knowing each other's work and online persona and then meeting the person IRL is very different. And you could notice that there's certain people who are really good at projecting a big personality online and they're not the same in person or the other way around. Mm -hmm. Of course, you and I are extremely consistent 
in person versus online. Um, <laughs> I wonder. But, I, uh, but a lot of people, people will approach decide. me. I remember in physical space from back in the day, they would approach me like they knew me as a best friend, even though I'd never met them before, which I always loved because mm. they'd be like, I heard you or I watched your videos or, or whatever. And it was a nice feeling to feel like I was surrounded by people who cared for me that I'd never met before. Um, now, that was a relatively rare event. I'm not saying like everywhere I went because I'm not famous. But I guess that's what famous people feel like all the time to the point of some kind of supplication. Yeah. They, can, they, they can get... I've, I've heard yeah, interviews like, with musicians because they, they write songs about not being sure they want to continue to live and heartbreak and very intimate, intense things. And then people yeah. will come up to you and be like, yeah, I was on the verge of suicide and your song helped me. And, and you're just like partying with your friends. And you're like, uh, okay, uh, this is not the moment to talk about this. And uh, Yeah, so I, I could see that being very intense. Well, there's that Justin Bieber song, Lonely. <laughs> have, you ever, have you ever heard it? <laughs> no. We should play it in I'm, the end credits. I'm not a Bieber listener. We should, we'll definitely play it in the end credits. I'll send you the link. No, um, we'll, we'll probably get taken down if I post that. Well, you can post a clip. I think there's like there are laws that allow that. Um, I don't like Bieber. I don't want to promote him. Yeah. What do you? Well, that's because you're not Canadian. You, you got to like, yeah. all Canadians stand together. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Um, yeah. Well, I'll, I'll put some Brian Adams. No, the only point I was trying to make is like, um, you know, you think of friendship as this reciprocal thing, but a lot of times we we have relationships w with people we might never have met, or with even with things or artifacts like even artworks right where we like build up are you about to sell us a product yeah well friendships are problematic but i have this thing that will make you let feel me tell just you about good. this robot that <laughs> well it, it just reminds me that they're the always jeremy trying, real doll they're always trying to sell that that's true exactly like the real doll phenomena um and when i was growing up as a kid like just get back to childhood for a second there was this doll named like called teddy ruxpin it was a stuffed animal bear based on a television show and it would like the tagline was will you be my friend like that's the first thing yeah, when you open the so box so creepy yeah. <laughs> so creepy but i was like so excited by this idea that what like i could just go out and buy a friend it's amazing <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and i like begged for it for christmas of course i never yeah. got it and um, I, you know. i had a conversation with a friend who's uh, he's a, he's a new parent and he was talking about voice computing and how he was worried that if voice computing gets really good that children will develop a friendship with this AI and the AI is never mean or judgmental. And then they go to school and all the kids, of course, are testing boundaries and mm -hmm. classifying people and being judgmental. And then they're like, I'll just go back to Alexa. She's always nice. And, yeah, <laughs> yeah it, it's like, well, it's funny because even at work, like they're, the ask is like, hey, we want you to like start to think about voice computing as like the future or whatever. And I'm always like, hmm, interesting, like accounting software as a friend. How would that, would that be like? <laughs> Reminds me of Clippy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Was, was well, Clippy yeah, the that, name of the, the paperclip? Yeah. Or like if you recall the film Her, I, I don't yeah. know, you know, like it's hard not to go here. I, but I like, find the voice interface very weird. Like the, Google has been working on this app to make reservations for, by voice. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, it's so much easier when you have sliders and you'd be like, oh, there's a table available at that time. Boop. And then you have a visual cue. And you could just see it in front of you. So mm. I find the idea of reserving by voice much more difficult than with a bunch of pull-down menus. But maybe that's just me. <laughs> it reminds me of that Seinfeld episode. I don't know if you remember the movie phone episode and Kramer. Oh, becomes, yeah. He takes, 
<laughs> he, he becomes the voice of movie phone, which is the place where you, like, you dial in to, to book your tickets. To know the movie times? Yeah. To but watch Citizen the- Kane, press three. <laughs> yeah. But he gets so overwhelmed that eventually he's like, why don't you just tell me the movie you want to watch? And what I love about that <laughs> is that that actually is the heart of a great, uh, like, probably voice interface, which is, like, one where there are no, like... Uh, touch tone descriptors, right? Like even with Alexa yeah. today. And I, yeah, but what I mean is, is the, the, for me really, uh, um, oh, did you just trigger your Alexa? Yeah, yeah. She's having trouble. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. But what I mean is if, if I have to look at my calendar, I would much rather look at it than someone whisper to me, on June 23, you have an appointment at 11.15. I'd rather have an overview of the month and be like, okay. Yeah, I think it's based on this like utopic vision that you're driving your Mercedes, and it's like you're like. But part of that is constructed by movies, and in the movie, the voice is easier than a visual interface. Yeah, like you're Batman. It's kind of a false promise. Who's your Alfred? Like if you're Batman, right? Like that's you're right. It's based in like a science fiction fantasy of Night Rider, the bourgeoisie. Yeah, yeah. And at that and at that point, you're yeah. You don't see uh, AI friendships happening. Well, I mean, if you're like a, yeah, if you you refer to her and like Spike Jones as her, like the idea of not just friendship, but love with a virtual entity is so creepy. And I think it's founded in a certain misogyny, to be honest with you, because it's like, in a lot of these cases, it's like, so that I don't have to deal, like you said, with the like messy parts or the distasteful parts or the like, the uncomfortable parts of friendship. I'm gonna, Rejection. And- yeah, exactly. I'm going to, I'm going to like build this like perfect friend. I remember when I was, um. Yeah, it sounds very incel. There, when I was a teenager, yeah, there was this movie that was like, um, it was called like, oh, what was it called? They basically, these two teenagers like figure out on their computer how to build the perfect woman or perfect girlfriend. And they like designed the bus size to be really big and you know, all of that ridiculous Oh, stuff. Weird Science. Yeah, Weird Science. That's the movie. Yeah. And it strikes me like, so they're like designing their perfect, you know, girlfriend. Um, and obviously yeah. like. I do think there's a tendency for people who are, haven't been in a relationship for a long time. They designed the perfect partner in their head. And I think both sexes do that. And they say, like, I want someone who's beautiful and athletic and outdoorsy, but also interested in science and also loves the opera and also likes charity and also likes animals. And I, it, it, that you're, you're giving the example from the point of a bunch of teenage boys. But I think a lot of people design their perfect partner in their head if they don't have one. Well, yeah, and I, and like my point earlier in the podcast around like you start to curate out friends um, or select or select them is a kind of form of designing. And I I don't know, this is just me being vulnerable here, but like I'm curious, like maybe I've like let go of friends that were good for me, but I just felt like they were bad, you know, like well because they made me uncomfortable. I think something happened to us around the same time that we found the perfect life partner. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, since when are you with Kristen? Um, like almost 10 years, yeah. Since 2010 or 2011? Yeah. yeah and so I'm with Christina since 2012. And that does change things. Like once you find someone who uh, not only it's romantic, but it's also friendship and it's also intellectual and all those things. And then the need to constantly see friends. That, that's maybe what we were talking about at a certain age people tend to hang out less because they found a, uh, a life partner that takes up that, that fulfills a lot of roles. So I do think something changes there. Then like 
when you're 15 and uh, nobody has a partner and everybody just wants to hang out all the time. I do think that you're right. Like locking in, like, so to speak, like a partnership, which is a horrible way to think about it, but like gives you this relaxed feeling of, I can finally be myself a little bit. Like if I yeah. want to act goofy. But there's, there's a it, danger to it as well. Like uh, yeah. you can, you can get too reliant on each other and be like, Oh, I don't need other people. And then that's yeah. not healthy. No. Yeah. In fact, Kristen like recently has been uh, encouraging me strongly to like maintain my friendships. Cause she's like, you know, you don't, I don't want you to become overly dependent on me. And I think she's right. I've seen it happen to my own, you know, father where he's like grossly over dependent on my mother uh, just to like share a personal thing, but like, and has mm-hmm. one, a lot of older men end up with almost no friends because a lot of their friends are work friends to our point earlier. Yeah. Yeah. And then they stop working, they retire, they're all alone. They're like, what do I do now? <laughs> <You know? laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. So that's why we do this podcast. <laughs> Just kidding, but like, <laughs> but I, I, I do feel like um, that maybe the, the beginning of this question of as an artist being mobile and moving to different places in the world, that, that's for a lot of artists, that's a reality. Like not yeah. everybody's born in a place that's strategic. I don't mean strategic. I mean just opportunities. Like it's such a weird job that not think, every town can supply yeah, a context. I, I would restate that as a place where you have random chances at big breaks. <laughs> you know, because a lot of yeah, it is random. Yeah, and 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 as you said, like positive uh, sort of uh, creative vibes. Yeah, creative energy and and entrepreneurial energy and the the idea of examples and people doing well and being excited and uh, and yeah. so. There is that weird mix, like, okay, that's it, I'm moving to London, and then it's like, oh, now what? Now i got to meet the right people. And not only do they have to be friends, but they also have to be amazing people at their field, and they have to have time for me. And yeah. The only thing that's nice I've noticed, um, I noticed when Kristen moved here, she moved from London to here, was that suddenly she was like the exotic, you know, kind of element in this familiar space. So sometimes you get that, like, you can get that little bump from being from somewhere else in a new place. But yeah, the, yeah. the burden is on you to prove that your exotic nature is, like, a value to the local. You know, that's that's also a thing when, when you travel for art and then uh, you're only there for a week. So everybody's like, yeah, let's get together. And it's a very fun week. And they're yeah. like, that town is amazing. I had so much fun. And then you next move week. there. It's very different. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And next week, no, everyone's like, oh, yeah, yeah, I've got other plans. So-and-so's in town. Yeah, like um, you said, uh, when you when you were in New York and everybody's like, oh, I don't want to go to the opening. There's some stuff on Netflix. Exactly. I was like, I thought everyone was going to be at the openings. No one was there. Um, but, of course, that doesn't matter anymore because there are no such thing as openings. Have openings restarted in, in New York at all? Or I, I think so. I haven't gone. but uh, I had my first physical yeah. show open in South Bend, Indiana, <laughs> just like, oh, cool. which was weird because obviously I didn't travel to it and nor was there. But it was a physical show. And I was like, what do I do with this thing? You know, like, do I tell people? Will they go? Can they go? Anyway. Um, <laughs> Is this cool? <laughs> Is this a thing? Yeah. Um, but I do, I do think that that's where a lot of friendships in the art world happen or are spawned or are openings. Um, and without them, like, I don't know, have you, have you created any new friends in the last year would have been one of my questions. Like, is the internet like moving to a new city? Hmm. Well, no, but I do think with the lockdown, uh, I've connected more with friends that I didn't talk to so much. And I do think the NFT thing brought a lot of people together because it's just a lot to talk about. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's new yeah. territory. It's like, does this make sense? What is this? Yeah. Yeah. But that's, yeah. I guess it's more professional than friendship, but at the same time, it is friendship too. It's confusing. The way I look at it is when I was a kid, my mom would buy these giant industrial rolls of white paper. And she'd like, we had a long hallway on the second floor of our house where my bedroom was. And she'd roll the paper out along the whole hallway. And she'd say, now draw. And I think that that's, we just unrolled like a big piece of white paper. <laughs> right? And we all, and everyone's kind of drawing. They're, they're just trying to figure yeah. out what are the edges of this paper, what's possible. That's nice. Yeah, instead of drawing on the wall. Yeah, that was how she uh, solved for that problem, I think. Yeah. <laughs> um, and invariably, we'll, we'll roll new pieces of paper over many, many decades. I, I know I was a bit of a skeptic at first, and I still am, but I think I'm more, the more we talk together, the more I was like, well, the nature of my spirit is to explore, and why would I choose to stop exploring at this point, you know? Um, and I think probably the same is true of friendship, right? Like, yeah. I, I hope that like, I'm just thinking of my dad, like one of the things that's frustrating for me to watch and I shouldn't really be talking about him on the podcast, but it's like the, you know, the ability to explore relationships with people, like that's how, like, that's where growth comes from. That's where a lot of my best So he's just too are, comfortable. Maybe, yeah. But one of the worries I always have for myself, and let's let me not judge him, is like that my media. This is why I was talking about objects earlier. Will become my friendship, like that CNN news. But there's know. a difference also that he's a dad, so he has all he has his, his family, kids. which yeah, yeah, and and they're never going to go away. So he doesn't have to make any effort to see friends. So it's like, That's oh, a really Jeremy good point. will stop by and, and fix my. Uh, That's a really good device. point. That's a really good point. Like, a, kids are like this great, like, built-in. He said that to me before too. Like, I don't need friends. I've got, I've got you guys, which is a sweet thing to say. Um, you're right. Like, that's one. That's another thing. When friend, when your, when your friends get kids, uh, definitely. Yeah. Like, that's the like. There, there is a like. I think I can't remember which comedian talks about it, but like, that's kind of the end of your friendship, right? Well, and Seinfeld had this remark about. When he was single, and the, the the whole premise of the Seinfeld sitcom is that that sort of empty life of dating, and no one's ever good enough, and you move on to the next. And then he he talks about when I was single, I thought people who are married with children are pathetic, and their lives are meaningless. Yeah. And now that he's married and has children, he looks at single people, and he thinks they are pathetic, and their lives are meaningless. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just that uh, I, I, yeah. But, but one thing I wanted to say about cities is that. Uh, the thing I like is that you can have quick meetings. So you can just have lunch and then say goodbye. And I feel like if you move away from the city, some people can come by, but it's like a three-day commitment. And you mm -hmm. have to talk to each other for three days. and it's a, Oh, because it's it, a bit it has to be like a weekend trip together or something like that? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like a couple of my friends, as I mentioned, they have kids, so they moved upstate or uh, like two hours away, four hours away from New York. And they say, oh, you should come over, you should come over. And then you just don't... It, there's always something that comes up and then this weekend is not good. And the next yeah. weekend and it, it, yeah. So, but this is why cities will like continue to cities. flourish and, and exist. Exactly. And you're absolutely right. Before the pandemic, I would squeeze in, you know, 10, 30 minute, like hangouts, you know, a month probably, or, or maybe a few more with random people sometimes too, like new people, like, Hey, why not? There was little risk in meeting for 10 minutes. I don't mm. know how 
you do that if you live like in Montauk or something like that? Like, well, then you, you use Zoom, I guess. Nah, I'm not going to do it. Like, I mean, I know <laughs> I'm doing that today, right? Like, I'm, yeah. actually, I do that. I meet with artists because, like, I have an open form through my website, uh, and I've met with a bunch of our listeners actually this way, where they've signed up and I have an automated Zoom call. But you know how we end each call, Raf? They're like, oh, if you're ever in Vienna, oh, if you're ever in Amsterdam, if you're ever in Toronto, let's hang out, right? Like, yeah. there's still yeah. a sort of like this physical additional like value layer that they're saying on top, like, oh, for this to become a real friendship, we're going to have to meet yeah. in person. Even for you and I, I think the first time we met in person kind of crystallized our friendship. Um, prior to that time, it was a little bit more transactional. Yeah, and then and then the podcast is a form of communication, but it's also public, so we also talk in a way that we if it's just the two of us physically then we talk about other things that's true i mean we uh, we are as sorry to as our possible. listeners but this is this is not 100 percent open and honest yeah it's a it's a partial document of our friendship but we do keep yeah. some secret <laughs> secrets from our yeah audience. yeah talking yeah. shit yeah we're mostly yeah. where we're just trash talking <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> i was on a panel maybe that, we should do that on, uh, we should start a patreon for shit talking well i was on like an nft panel earlier this week and i did shit talk rider for a moment like as a joke and then someone in the panel was like oh yeah someone who's here who knows rider just told Ryder something like that but like and you, you know <laughs> so you can't help but like filter yourself a little bit um yeah because yeah, you're always sure. scared like you don't know who you're talking to so I think it's a good. I don't know. We're we're as unvarnished and friendly it, yeah, as Yeah, it is true. Like you just have different friends all over, and each um, connects to a different part of your personality. So if you only have friends who just want to be negative and make fun of everything, that's not good either. So you need a bit of everything. Yeah, yeah. You need. Well, that's a great way to. End. Maybe that's a good way to end things. Which is like, um, well, if we get back to like. Hey, you're 28 years old. You moved to a new city. There's no like we we're very staunch advocates that there's no like right advice, but like the like I moved to Berlin when I was 28. I was all alone. I had my girlfriend with me. I had my internet That's not art so friends. alone. Well, I had my internet art friends, but they were like that they were like you in Berlin. Well, you weren't actually in Berlin at that time, but like Constant and some other people were. And they'd organize they organized like a couple of like jeremy drinks events right but then it was like like you said earlier like the next week was like yeah yeah we already had our drinks last week we got work to do or whatever so what do you do in that situation like how do you start to form friendships what i did is i like would i did have one or two friends from toronto from my former city it's weird that you would anchor i would anchor on that there's so many canadians in berlin there are tons of people from toronto especially but my friend javita Who, uh, who was a talented artist and like cultural organizer. She was there and I can remember trying to anchor to her and like meet up with her every little, you know, few, few weeks to build. And then she would introduce me to new people. Um, like, and she could ground, this is the thing that would happen and tell me if I'm wrong with this, but we would go to like an opening together. We do something. She'd be like, this is Jeremy. You should like be friends with him because, so she became like this, person and there were a couple other people like this that would introduce me to other people and at that time what I was thinking was like I need to meet a lot of people because like it's not just going to be the first person that I meet that's going to be you know friendship there is a certain um there's a certain volume you need to get to before you find like the people that you want to care 
for or invest in. It can't just be random people. And I remember, I remember being introduced to people felt like such a generous thing. Like the people who introduce you to other people when you're first starting out, um, it's rare, it's a rare and, and nice thing to do. Um, yeah, that's an important point. Like you, you have to start somewhere. Like maybe you're lucky and you have great friends in art school and you form a collective and you make works together and it, you don't really have to try to find people. But I think most people have to try and look around and find their people. Yeah, and just being lost at sea, though, without that anchor, I, I definitely sympathize. Um, and I ended up moving back to Toronto, to be honest with you. So, like, I'm not a good example. You are probably the better <laughs> example. But I hated the people in Toronto. Sorry, Toronto listeners. But, like, I really just not did not identify with the scene here to the extent that I... There were, there were parts of it I liked, but there were parts that I really hated. Um, and even when I came back, I was such like... Such strong know, words from such a polite person. Well, it was just like, I didn't like this. Like, I talked about scenes, but like the scene here was super style focused and snobby. Like, and I knew it wasn't like, I knew it wasn't internationally recognized. You know what I'm saying? So I was like, hmm, this seems really like a bunch of people... Mismatched. Yeah, it was just like, you could see, th- I could see through it to a certain extent, and I didn't like it. Um, but yeah. every city has, I well, guess, you, that kind of vibe. Yeah. I guess we don't have any advice. Well, you're good at, you're really good at friendship. I feel like you're holding back because I'm not I know sure. That, I, I don't know how you measure that, whether I'm good or bad at it. I'll tell you why you're good at friendship because you actually reach out, which is most people are on the receiving end of friendship not the giving end. And that's where I was trying to get with the Javita example. But you're on the giving side of friendship where you actually actively reach out to people and say, hey, do you want to do this? Or, hey, we should hang out. Or do you have time for a well, chat? Well, here's, here's the thing about me is I have more time than most people. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's a natural thing for me to want to have lunch with someone because I work from home already for 25 years and I'm all alone all day. So of course I want to have lunch with someone. So it's it's not like... Uh, thinking, oh, I'm going to do good. It's like, oh, I'm bored. I want to have lunch with someone. Uh, mm-hmm. I, think, I, think, uh, I think the lockdown has, has shown people like working from home has pros and cons and it can be quite lonely. Yeah, but I still think you position it as a way, as a, in a way that feels generous. Like I've always appreciated you. I'm always, always trying to be an me. asshole, but you're, you're making it hard. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to rebrand you as this like generous yeah. friend guy. But yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, I would I would give yeah. I would give your advice to someone else, which is like, try, you know, the generosity of like, of just and even the risk taking of saying like, hey, do you have time for to hang out for lunch? I just want to spend time with you. It's such an innocent and and, and nice thing to do. I mean, and you, yeah, yeah. You never, and, and then know. also, if someone says, oh, uh, I don't have time or I don't want to, there's no problem. Yeah, I guess you have to like deal with that fear of rejection, which I've had many times yeah. over, especially when I've traveled yeah. and I want to hang out with someone. But I, I've also experienced the cold call. Like I can remember there were two artists I really admired in Chicago. They were teaching at the time there. They're Canadian, Duke and Cooper's Battersby. And I remember I was in grad school and I, I was visiting Chicago and I like knew no one in Chicago at the time. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to cold call them. I'm going to say I'm a Canadian artist. I'm here in this in town. Do you have time to hang out? Not only did they say yes, they ended up hanging out with me for a whole day. It did crystallize a friendship that lasted many years. I've lost touch with them since because they eventually moved to the city I was studying in Syracuse. 
But I, it was so, I remember being blown away that these strangers that I admired were willing to spend a whole day with me. Um, anyway, the cold call. Yeah. I'll try it out. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, All right. thank you for listening, everybody. And uh, see you again next week. That's a really curt ending. <laughs> okay. Yes. Yeah, oh, see. you want to say something else? Raphael is tired, people. <laughs> no, thanks, everyone. Um, it, we're at we are at the hour, and uh, appreciate you listening. We are looking for questions, right? Should we prompt? Um, we've got a, we yeah, got like one do. or two questions in the hopper, but we, if you've got a question or even a theme, like this was just a theme, let us know and um, yeah, stay happy and healthy. Thanks so much. Yeah, say hi to your friends. Okay, bye bye.